Welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you. We love you and adore you. Jesus, I ask that you would bless us uh, on this day. Lord, we pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis. We ask for his uh, protection, his safety, his peace, a peace that would reign and rule in his heart. But Lord, for his holiness and for his spiritual leadership, Lord, that he would lead and provide and protect the church as the vicar of Christ, as the servant of the servants of God, as the uh, great bridge builder, Pontifex Maximus. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, truly grant him the graces he needs in his role. And Lord, I ask that you'd anoint all of us in the role, in the office that is ours. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, today is the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. First of all, welcome back. Hi, honey. You got a little bit of suntan there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Right. Is there any? Is this time for confession? You want to confess to our listeners where you've been for the last five days? I have happily been in Phoenix with my sisters and brother, and it was awesome. And thank you, Tom, for letting me go. I will totally do whatever you want, even be on your radio show. Thank and you, help dear. You. <sighs> that is so good. <laughs> uh, and I took advantage of that for sure. Not even a question, uh, Carrie. You know, it, this is like the second time you've done that, right? Yes, is last it, time was before we got married. No, wait a minute. You did, <laughs> you son of a gun. <laughs> was that five years ago? Uh, yes, about four. Four, four years ago? Well, I think four. You went away for a few days uh, with, again, your sisters. This time your brother, he tagged, he was a tag along. Yes. Um, which was good for him. Um, but I, I was so I was so thrilled at how refreshed you were by the... Um, by the last time away, that I was really happy for you to be able to go this time. And it's funny because I came to appreciate at a whole new level the amount of effort and energy and strain, um, I guess I want to use the word stress, that is involved in just doing what you do around here. Let's talk about that more. So how important am I? (laughs) Like on a scale of one to ten, it's a it's a it's an eleven. What you're doing is an eleven. <laughs> uh, I I did I come away. In fact, when Father Lewis was here on Friday, we were pre-recording for the program that was heard yesterday. Uh, I had mentioned to him. Um, I said to him, I don't know how single parents do it, or parents who have one spouse gone for an extended period of time, often because of work or maybe military deployment. How do they do it? And it, it, it's a wonder to me. And it just, it spoke to me about the need for fellowship, for community, right? For that, the ability for whatever parent, the husband or the wife, who if they are carrying a singular burden of leading, providing, protecting the family and like building the nest, right? Caring for the details I was exhausted. You know, and it's nice when one gets away because then you do reflect a little bit more closely and creatively and freely about what you're doing back in that other life of yours. There aren't all the interruptions. And it was just nice to be able to reset or to take stock in what God's doing, where we're at, maybe what he wants to do in my own life and in our own marriage. And a more 
concrete way, or maybe it's probably not even concrete. It's more visionary. As you're away enjoying the beautiful pool, getting drinks, the beautiful view, <laughs> it's more of a dreamy sense of what does God want to do in my life? But um, it really is untangling and disentangling to allow things to just set themselves right as I just prayed through a couple of different I'm doing the consecration to St. Joseph, which has been really surprisingly, surprisingly holy, like really interestingly divine. And I kind of knew God would show up in different ways, but um, because I approached it a little bit half-heartedly, uh, it's just, I think that's probably why I just have really low expectations, don't think God will do anything. And then when something I was like, woo! But um no, I just think getting away for two days or five days or however many days God allows that or your husband allows you to do that. Um, it's just grace. It's just, I felt a lot of grace and mercy. Maybe, in fact, there was um, a link there that the timing for you to begin the uh, the consecration to St. Joseph, you're following the book by um, Father um, Calloway. Calloway. Um, it's going to end on March 19th, which is the Feast of St. Joseph. And you didn't know that, oh, count back the, is it 33 days? I don't know. However many days it is. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, I uh, it began um, when you were there. Is that right? Or the day it, I left. The day you left was like the first day? Yes. Maybe that was, you know, and, and again, that wasn't designed that way. I think that's really cool because it's like the Lord saying, okay, I'm going to strip everything else away from you so that you're going to have that book in front of you. And now I've got your attention. Uh, I, I think that's pretty extraordinary. I think it just you being, know you like always say God does a thousand things in one he thing. He does. I it, I don't think it's not that he's always doing a thousand things. I think do we have time to stop and see what he's doing? I think a lot of times I just rush through my day. Not even rush. That's probably the, not the right word. I'm distracted through my day, and I keep myself busy about what Carrie wants to do. And when we are able to stop, when I'm able to stop and just spend hours questioning and asking and seeking, all of a sudden, prayers that I've read before are like they come alive and they're beautiful and they're profound and they're transformative. Whereas I read them last week, they're boring and dull and deadening and like, oh, what is this? I can't even focus on this prayer. So it's interesting how when God shows up with his mercy and grace to enliven in us his prayers and scripture, it's a grace. I mean, it really is a grace. And I think, obviously, the, the, the habit of staying in his word every day and reading, and, you know, doing the liturgy of the word every day is going to make it more easy. But some, sometimes God just shows up and he just spoils us. So um, when you left, you left on Wednesday. Um, I got the kids to mass that night. And the next day, I got tricked because... Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I I just turned my phone off. So, oh, sorry, honey, can't. What? Can't hear you. What? It's right. What? You're so funny. <laughs> can you hear me? Okay, you can, no, what? hold on. <laughs> One of the blessings that I have um, getting to daily mass is that we have drivers at the house. Mm. And it just, it, it was happening that um, our daughter, Ariana, was going to be gone. And I thought, oh, I'm here for the first time with the kiddos. I'm going to, um, no, actually, wait a minute. I didn't get tricked. I, I was tempted to be tricked. <laughs> Hold on. The, the, the trickster, the devil, was trying to trick me into saying, 
that I don't, um, I should just be home with the kiddos and not make it to daily mass in the morning. I'll just go in the evening. And I got to tell you, that temptation hit me on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Now, Monday, there was all this snow and you were coming home. And I'm like, oh, I'll go to mass with Carrie at 5.30. And it was all this snow on the ground. And, and I'm like, no, I am, I am not going to be tricked and swindled out of going to mass. Because right now I've got this clear path. It was a holiday. And um, I had a little bit more freedom in my schedule. The kids are sleeping. I'm going to go to mass. And, and so, you know, got the snow off the car and made it to mass on time. And the same with Saturday morning. I got up and I'm like, uh, I, I'm not going to go in the morning. I'll go to I'll go Saturday evening and then Sunday. And I said, no, I, I'm, I'm just tricking myself into that idea that I'm going to go to Mass. I need to establish this as a, a, um, a as habit. A, as a habit that is a like habit. immovable, like rock solid. I can count on this. And I just had to change it when you were gone. I had to go to Mass at 7 in the morning uh, instead to be able to make it on Friday. Um, and, and, and that's when I almost got swindled out of it. So Very good. Well, and I think about this, and, and for me, this is connected to the Chair of St. Peter. Um, so the Chair of St. Peter is the feast day that it is today, Carrie. And it is, uh, do, you, do you know why it, it's a feast? For some reason, I don't even know about this feast day. I think I've heard of it a couple of times, but I don't have any significant memory of it. Yeah. So do you remember uh, when we went to the, uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you go into this huge basilica and then you have the main altar, which is uh, kind of in the, um, towards the front end, like where the church is in the shape of a cross where the, where the horizontal and the vertical meet. That's where the main altar is. But then you have the back altar. And the and the altar against the far far back of the uh, of St Peter's Basilica, uh, behind the back altar is this huge chair. I mean, it's huge. Like you know, it's it's. More, I do more, remember that. You do. Yes. And and it's like the way that it's designed. It's like it's almost floating in the air uh, with the like angels holding it up and saints holding it up, and above it's the Holy Spirit in the beautiful alabaster window, and the chair of St Peter. Well, the chair refers to the seat of authority. So when you're referring to the chair of St. Peter, you're referring to the authority that is uh, associated with the office, with that divinely established role, function in the church that is the successor of St. Peter, that is the primary, the first among the 12 apostles, the the, uh, the vicar of Christ, the servant of the servants of God, the pontifex maximus. Right? These are all titles of that office holder of the Pope, the Holy Father. And, um, and that's why you have the, the cathedrals. What's a cathedral? In every diocese, there's a cathedral, which is the church in which the cathedra, the seat of the bishop is. So at Our Lady of Lords here in Spokane, there is the seat, and that's the bishop's chair. He's the he sits in that presider's chair. That's his seat. So in all the cathedrals, there like a magnificent chair. Yeah, there would be a chair that would be singled out, a special seat that refers to the position of authority. It's a it's a symbol 
that expresses the authority of the bishop in that place. And so that's why you have the, um, when you refer to um, a, a diocese, you refer to the see, the see of, uh, of Spokane. What's see mean? S-E-E, see. It's, yes. it's a shortened form of saying seat. The, the the seat the place oh, of authority is? yeah <laughs> then why don't they just say the seat <laughs> are I, you I, sure that's what it is? i'm making stuff up as i go, go. along here dear go honey let's I, go I, if you want i'll track <laughs> i'll track back the latin just to, to make you feel good oh, no, um, that's good it, it refers to that place of authority okay now do all dioceses have cathedrals um, for yeah. the most part? Yeah. Every diocese would have uh, a church that is the bishop's church in which the bishop's seat, his cathedra is. So that would be referred to as the cathedral. So that's... When did they come up... Okay, I'm just going to ask you questions you probably don't know the answer to. But when did they decide to have a feast day for this, the seat? When they realized this is an important thing we need to honor or set aside to pray about? What is it? What do you do when you have the feast day and this... I think what it is is, uh, oh, actually, you reminded me of something. Excellent. Excellent. No, this is a couple of things. So the first is that even though they, they shows the chair in St. Peter's, that's not the cathedral of the Pope. Oh, it's just a whole church to St. Peter? It, it's the church that was built over the tomb, over the, over the burial place of St. Peter. St. Peter was buried on the, in the Vatican Hill. See, this is why we have to go to Europe and show our kids. Right, there are seven hills in Rome. History. And one of the hills in Rome is the Vatican Hill. And um, after St. Peter was crucified upside down in the Circus Maximus, the followers of St. Peter, uh, the disciples of St. Peter, carried his body and buried his body in, uh, in, a, in the cemetery at the uh, Vatican Hill. Uh, and they built a church over it. It became a place of worship, a place of not worshiping his remains, but worshiping at the at his resting place, and so you have a number of um, of the ruins of the churches that have been built over the centuries, uh, culminating in St. Peter's. But the cathedral in Rome is St. John Lateran. Lateran is another one of the seven hills, the Lateran Hill, um, and so at St. John Lateran is actually the cathedral, the the seat of the Pope. So, uh, but what it refers to is this sense of authority. So, Carrie, I mentioned a few times the titles of the Pope, and we are going to use those to mine insights into what it means that we have authority in the lives of our children. What does it mean for um, a husband and a wife to exercise authority in their kids' lives? What does it mean that bishops and priests and the Holy Father exercises authority that flows from Jesus Christ and is connected to their office. My, my brothers and sisters, you who are husbands and wives and parents, there's, there's an office. I'm going to use that term in quotes, but there's a role that is yours, divinely established, and God intends to use it. How? Let's talk about that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I'm happy to help. Did we pray? I just don't have this memory of praying. Um, yeah. I said, you let's, did pray? let's start with a prayer. Oh, I guess I, was... I prayed for Pope Francis. Okay. Don't you remember? Because of must the feast have been day. Thinking about something else. Thanks, dear. Appreciate that. <laughs> Distraction, diversion, dispersion. Don't forget those things, folks. Those are the things that 
that rob us of spiritual growth. Although, Tom, I'm always praying during the radio. Just pray always. I love that. As you share. Now you're flexing, Carrie. Oh. Okay, so we're talking about the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter, and um, there is this sense that the Lord has associated authority with that office of St. Peter, uh, the, the successor to St. Peter, which is the Pope. And I'm going to draw out the way in which our authority uh, is to flow. Um, but I want to start with this introductory reflection. And it's on your market set go, on your market set go. Uh, you all know what I'm talking about, right? So it's it's when you're going to start a race on your mark. Okay, the runners are very relaxed until that happens. Go is when the gun goes off and then they take off and and they're running their race. But it's the get set part. It's that get set part where the runners are getting into position and then they're poised and they're at that pitch of of attention and intense focus and they're straining about to explode but they can't move and and then go it it's the get set and if you just listen to that phrase get set uh and, and you stop and ponder that for a minute i think that that has a lot to do with parenting um interestingly someone gave me this analogy regarding moving uh, it's a family i'm helping to move here i think a lot of folks if you listen to sound insight you've heard that i as a result of all the families that carrie and i have been helping move from um, the west side to the east side to, to eastern, eastern Washington and northern Idaho, uh, I'm like, well, let me become a, a real estate agent. So I become an agent serving Washington and Idaho. And um, one of the families that was over here last weekend, uh, they were talking about this stress, this, this intensifying focus that was introducing this pressure into their lives. And they were trying to like figure out what, what is this? And when I was talking with her earlier today, this is on Monday, we're recording this. She was like, she used the get set. She says like for years we've been on your mark, like recognizing that we're in a race, recognizing that there's a point where we're going to have to go, but they've just been able to float around in that pre get set stage. On the mark, on your mark stage? On your mark stage. So they said for like three years, they got the word that said, you're going to go. And so that background, like thinking, the background, like back background preparation kind of things, but then they haven't yet gone. They're they're still back there, but now they're in the get set stage, and it's like we didn't know what we were walking into in the get set stage. We no one prepared us for get set. Where all of a sudden now we were living our ordinary lives, and on the mark was kind of a cute idea. But now, wait a minute, we're about to pull the trigger. The, the gun is about to go off, and we're going to go. And it's this increased, like, stress, anxiety, hand-wringing. What are we doing? Is this it? How do we do this? And literally, earlier in the day, I talked to another couple. Same thing. I remember when we would talk for hours down in your office when we lived in our house in Normandy Park and strategize and walk through and reminisce or kind of go through and go over okay why are we moving what's going on why is this happening what are we doing try to like encourage each other talk each other into it well you had to talk me into it more than i talk you into it but there was just every day these intense conversations because we were in that get set space for about six months three months yeah a handful months. of months yeah and it wasn't when there was a crazy market frenzy either um but it was it, there was an excitement 
because when you're getting ready to run a race, you're excited. Like, I can't wait to show and go and you don't know what's going to happen, but you know, there's, you know, you know, you're headed. You just don't know how it's going to end, so to speak. And um, do you remember that? Absolutely. That intensity of, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, well, was it exhaust? It was exhausting, but it was more anticipate. I was more anticipating I don't know. I guess it depends. Well, yeah, on there's a lot of unknowns, right? Like unknown. if you're running a, like a, a quarter mile race, you know, okay, I'm just going to go one lap around this track or a mile, four laps around this track. And I know who my competitors are and all that other sort of thing. This was like a, a leap out of a plane, mm-hmm. right? And you, and you hope the parachute's going to open. And that's, that's probably a more apt analogy um, than maybe running a race. Go, the green light goes on in the plane and now you've got to jump out and it's real. Everything's real now. It just um, doesn't sound <laughs> it's like we're going to crash it's and exhilarating. die. <laughs> no, it's exhilarating. I don't know. I, I'm i just trying to recall the emotions because you for, once we pass through that that passage, I forget things. So, Anyhow. So, but here's the thing. This is, this is related to, to folks moving, but this is also related to many major steps in your spiritual life many major steps in your own exercising of the authority that is given to you. The, the tongue-in-cheek statement I've said a number of times on Sound Insight is that the best talks I ever gave on parenting teens, I gave... Before you had teens. Before I had teens. Yes, dear. Yes, you've heard that <laughs> joke before. Do you see how fast I said it? It's still funny okay, for people it. who okay. haven't heard it. <laughs> who hasn't heard it? But... Here's here's how I'm applying that now is that we are parenting five teens and the level of this is like this is one of those go get set go get set go get set get set go get set go get set right right no think about it what about on your mark because we already left that stage so the on your mark was having the babies no when we were parenting kids that were under twelve okay. Even the tweens, right? right? But as soon as you get to the teens, it's a different thing. And even though, right, the joys are richer and, and all of that, I have to say the the stressors, the pressure, the focus that is required of parents to help shepherd their kids through the challenges of right now are just enormous, are just enormous. And I think that, um, folks, I'm talking to you, if you have teens out there, um, if you don't have teens, if, if, you've, if your kids have already come through and you're like, oh, you know, it, it was fine, you know, God bless you. You were blessed to raise your kids prior to the, the intensified reality of the internet and the downhill uh, slumping now the avalanche of the anti-Catholic culture of right now, um, the, the and, and it is so much more difficult now. We have a 22-year-old. It's so much more difficult now than it was when she had her teen years nine years ago. In, in, in less than a decade, the enormity of the challenges has exponentially increased. Is that too strong? No, I don't think it has. I don't think that's too strong. And I don't think we're ever going back in our time of being parents which is kind of depressing i think it's going to continue to get difficult 
and hard. And, and it's not depressing in that God's doing something and he's in control. It's more what we have, like the innocence and the fun visioning of, well, life and grandkids is going to be so wonderful. And, you know, they're going to find a wonderful spouse and get married and come live. All those kind of dreams, I feel, are not within our grasp anymore. So there's a dying to our future culture of what does it mean to be grandparents to Christian um, our, our kids and their grandkids. I mean, I think what you hear often is how many grandparents say, uh, my kids don't go to church, my grandkids aren't being raised in faith, they're almost being raised in an uh, anti-faith home where it's just really, it's really striking. One of the reasons I'm doing this program, I had two emails today from listeners who are telling the story about their bringing up their kids in a Catholic home in, uh, in a much more um, acceptable, accepting environment, culture around them, and now how their kids and their grandkids, none of them are practicing their Catholic faith. And how it's just, again, it's the pain in their heart. And it's like, um, it, you know, when you hear that, when you hear that, it's like, what do we do? So one of the reasons why if you hear Carrie and me talk about um, the the concept of something like moving or something like going to the traditional Latin mass, it has everything to do with finding a maximum support and encouragement and even a, accountability and resources for, for parents who are striving to exercise their authority in their kids' lives to help them to actually um, grow in faith and, and become um, those saints fulfilling the God-given mission that is theirs. And this is why I work so hard to support efforts like, you know, Father Lappies in Bremerton or Lady Star of the Sea and creating this little Benedict option out there um, between the grade school, the now classic, uh, the Aquinas Classical High School and the amazing things he's doing in the parish. Um, Father Ed White and the amazing things he's doing at St. Stephen the Martyr, Father Nagel and the work he did at Holy Family and now at St. Monica's. Uh, you know, so there are some wonderful priests who are... Um, pouring themselves out. Um, but they're little islands. They're just little islands that are magnetically drawing, uh, you know, Catholics to, to find a refuge for, for their, uh, for their kids. But the, the amount, the red, you know, on your mark, parents, on your mark, get set and go. The, the get set is, are you set for what is already at hand? Because you have to go. There is, I don't mean move right now, I mean take action. You know, the gun has gone off, the gun has fired, and you have to take action in accord with the authority that is yours. And um, um, today's feast day, it's like, that is what I want to talk about. That, that's what I want to explore more fully is how do we as parents and anyone with authority, anyone that has any kind of God-given authority assigned with your life, what does that look like? And I think that... Um, we can lean on the titles associated with uh, the Pope as insights, as doorways into what it means for us to exercise the authority that God has given to us. Um, so first of all, I'm going to set up a nice chair in the living room. That's Dad's chair. <laughs> you can use that one right there. So right there, Dad's chair it's of authority. Very, that one's kind of cathedral-like. It looks like a king yes. sit there. That's cathedral-like. So... Um, so you get the good chair. I get the good We're chair. We're the good chair. 
I don't know what that means, but it's from the <laughs> Jeopardy, Black Jeopardy, the Good Chair. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> Sorry, oh, that's so terrible. Fu- I know it's so funny. Okay, so coming back to um, uh, the the titles of the Pope, the first title is um, when when you see. If you go to St. Peter's in Rome and you go to the tombs, the sarcophagus, the, the tomb of the, the burial um, coffin, if you will, but it, it's, it's in uh, marble typically, of popes, and, and they type the pope's name in there, it'll mention the pope, and then it will say after the pope's name, SS, um, which is what? It's Servus Servorum Dei. So it's servant of the servants of God. So the Pope, who is at the top of the pyramid when it comes to authority, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to the, the head honcho, the guy who, you know, the buck stops here, he makes the decisions. He isn't the leader of the servants of God. That role of authority is a role of service. So you've heard of servant leadership. It's not that leaders should serve. It's that servants sometimes lead. And the very leadership of that servant is the maximum place of his service. And so, Carrie, for you and me, we who are parents, the Lord has given us this role in our kids' lives while we're here on earth. To be their servants. To serve to lead them. by serving. Uh, uh, to lead as a means of service, Yes. Yes, that our serving is a way that we're going to lead them. The way we lead them is part of our service. Lead, provide, protect, right? I go before you, I'm with you, and I've got your back, right? Uh, priest, prophet, and king. So those things are our are, are exercise of God-given authority in their lives. And it is, it's like we tend to think of uh, being an authority as being the boss. Yes, honey, kids. Make dinner, kids. Clean up my kitchen. Fourth kids. commandment, guys. Take Fourth the car and get it washed. Honor your mother and father. Oh darn! I was hoping they were serving me, but I have to serve them through uh, how you lead. Through them. how I lead them. All right, this is good. Well, I was talking about this with my boys when we were driving out to do some work together. Uh, when you were gone on Saturday, I took them out to this building to do some not fun work. They were picking up trash, they were sweeping up, they were doing a lot of stuff that just wasn't fun. And, um, and, and I was saying to them, I was saying to them that um, uh, when they become husbands, if that's what their call is, they're going to be called to lead and provide and protect their kids and their family. And so my, how I'm relating to them right now is part of how I'm trying to form them to do work that's not fun, that's the, it's the hard easy, to do work that's not easy, but to teach them what it means to provide. And so we, we had a talk about how I have um, like reflected on providing financially for the family. Now, one question. Yeah. Did NFTs come up? Yeah, they did. As a way of providing. <laughs> the so silly boys. Yes. Well, they were very engaged in that right now. NFTs, what is that? Not NFP. Okay, <laughs> not natural family planning. NFT. That would have been interesting if that had come up. Yeah, I would no. have liked to have heard that conversation. <laughs> NFTs is a non-fungible token. What in the world is a non-fungible token? 
Uh, well, we're going to have to come back to that because we're up against a break, yeah, Carrie. Okay. But I, I'm going to go back to being a servant of the servants of God and their reflection back to me on my being a servant of the servants of God. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran with my beautiful wife, Carrie. Carrie, great to have you here. So Carrie, talking about non-fungible tokens, it's a very interesting thing. It's related to cryptocurrency. It's related to uh, typically digital art, but other digital artifacts that are one of a kind that folks produce and then sell and trade online. I think a lot of boys are into it right now. Maybe boys between like... 14 to 34 or 44 years old. Yeah, 14 to 25. Yeah, definitely. Maybe not it's... into the 30. People that are actually working in the real world and actually have real jobs aren't into it because they are working. These people are trying to get rich quick. <laughs> That's what I would say, but I don't know. No, no it's, it, there's I, well, a lot more to it than that. I'm, I'm really simplifying it. Well, here's the thing, though. So I said one of the things when I was talking to John Mark about this, because he seemed, he's more into it because there's a... Uh, a kid a year ahead of him in school who's really into it and, and has done well, made it a job. Uh, I said, look, easy money is not noble money. Easy money is not noble money. I said, I want you to earn money in a way through, through something noble. And so I'm not saying don't do it through NFTs, but if you think that this is get rich quick or this is some kind of getting lucky or just gambling because you're going to find one and then hopefully it's going to go up, then you got lucky. I said, there's a difference between being smart and lucky. So I said, I want you to learn how to work hard, do the hard easy. I want you to do something that's noble. And I want you to do something that um, took real work. And I said, if that leads you to economic prosperity, then good for you. I'm totally in support of that. So it was, it was a great conversation just around, I brought them in on the inside. It's something I, I did intentionally. It's something that my dad never really did for me. And I was a bit more reticent because I never had it modeled to me. So it's like, okay, how do I have this kind of conversation with my boys? And, you know, 16 and 15. And they had, they had a little bit of an interest in what I'm doing in cryptocurrency, mining cryptocurrency and this sort of thing. So I brought them the next level in and gave them at least a first blush understanding. I know I'm going to have to wash it over them again and again. But giving them an understanding of... How do you invest? What is it that you invest in? What have we done as a family, you and I, Carrie, have done to work hard, save some money, invest it in real estate, okay, get a rental property, and then following that path over 25 years, and then looking at other opportunities to complement that, you know, that sort of thing, while making ministry the principal focus and the principal passion and the main way that I actually spent my time was doing church work, but also realizing that that wouldn't provide for a family that the Lord generously blessed us with many children. Did you ever think of not being, not doing the radio? Or have you always felt this call to, this is what I'm called to do, this is where I'm gifted, this is what I'm really passionate about, even though it doesn't it's not financially... Yeah, it doesn't financially take care of our lives. So when I experienced my conversion, uh, my awakening of Catholic faith, I was 18 and a half. It was the summer after my freshman year in college. 
And I got so on fire for Jesus and to help Catholics come alive in faith and to engage in the work of apologetics to help defend the faith against attacks in Boston. That was a very prominent thing, but also to evangelize, to share faith. And I remember even back then um, having a, a Bible study with a couple of guys um, that were not Catholic and a couple of guys that were Catholic. And uh, I was sharing about a scripture of Jesus falling asleep in the boat during the storm. I can relate to falling asleep, but not <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. That, that was you nice had me at fall asleep. <laughs> You must be tired from your from your five days. I think I'm of, on jet lag. Resting I think, hard. I think five days of resting hard is a lot of work. It's gonna take a while to get back on track. It'll yeah. take me about a week. <laughs> Anyhow, I, so I just love Jesus falls. Why don't we just take it down a notch? It's it's just, Jesus falls. Oh asleep. yeah. All right. So Jesus, and I, I don't remember much about what I shared, but I remember this this guy that was not Catholic saying to me. Wow, that is really a beautiful insight. That is so profound. Uh, that, wow, that you really have a gift for that. Something like that. And here I am, just this eighteen-year-old guy. Well, I would call into radio stations. You remember this? I'd call in this call-in show that was constantly picking off Catholics who would call in. These simple ladies who would call in and say, "But I was brought up Catholic." Oh, well, well, you know, unfortunately, you've been led astray. Let me put you online to a counselor, and we'll get you into a real <laughs> Christian church. And so I would call and I would ask, I would ask really difficult questions and the guy would get so mad at me. One time he started shouting and they cut him off the air. They cut him off and they went to music Aww. and then they came back on. He was breathing heavy. Aww. It was terrible. It was terrible. So this is where you got your call by tormenting? I, Carrie, I'm telling you, I had this sense from the time I was 18 and I had this awakening in faith that I had this hunger to speak the truth of the Catholic faith to crowds. I just had this vision of speaking, whether it was on the radio or to crowds, like just on a stage, just speaking about Jesus and about the riches of our Catholic faith, evangelizing, apologetics, catechizing, helping people grow in faith. That was one of the very first manifestations of my awakened faith so when i say it's been a long week you're tired and you still every day are doing this radio show you don't ever say oh you know i think i'm gonna just take a sabbatical i think i'll i'm done with this i think i'm gonna move into some other something i would pay to do this you would i would i would don't tell to- ron that he's <laughs> <laughs> gonna start charging you I would no, but, like you feel that called that blessed that like this is so it makes me come alive. I would rather do this. It's like I did all that other coaching stuff and consulting stuff for twenty five years. All those other things that we did were for the sake of ministry. All those other things that we did that was providing for the family. That was what I always called tent making. I never identified myself with that work. That that was the essence of my work. Okay. No, it was always mission and ministry related. I think honestly, that's why I'm so excited about this like real estate work mm-hmm. is that it is it is a profession and it requires professional expertises. And I'm just discovering the beautiful things that I've that have been refined in me over 25 years in consulting and coaching 
fit so beautifully into the work of helping families discern and make a move that it is a beautiful kind of God bringing it together, you know, bringing all these strands together where I'm going to leave behind the consulting and coaching and instead consult and coach families through the real estate work I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And and people, the, the folks that I'm working with, they're loving it. They're like, we've never had a real estate agent work with like, like this before. This is nothing like other real estate agents, which I, I makes me feel really good from the standpoint that they're getting a very rich like expansive kind of service. So would you like to, if you could, would you want to do that full time and just uh, drop off all the consulting? And Yeah, I am. That's what I'm doing. That's your hope. Yeah. So thing. that's... Uh, I'm, and still do the radio. Yeah. Well, the radio, I love doing the radio because this is like the, this is the, on your mark, get set, go. Is this the get set? This is the get set. This is how many folks listening to my voice right now across the state of Washington and other places where it's heard. Across the country. The across world. the world, it's in the, global, man. across the digital internet, <laughs> the, the digital world, uh, that I want, I, I'm here for you, brothers and sisters, to help you get set. Now that means, like Jesus, Jesus, his his complaint against the people of his time was what you see the storms rise and the clouds rising in the east, and, and you know that a storm's coming. Why can't you read the signs of the times? Why can't you read the signs of the times? And 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 the church has always said this that it's the it's the call of the church to read the signs of the times and respond to them, take action in accord with the gospel. And so I, I who have been blessed in so many ways with such beautiful formation and, and such beautiful training and experience, it, it's been given to me, but it's not just for me. It's for the sake of so many others who are listening, who are just immersed in their day-to-day lives and are overwhelmed, immersed in their everyday lives, trying to cling on and figure out, what do I go forward? What do I do now? I'm like, let's go. Let me bring some light of the gospel here. Let me bring some light of the Catholic truth here, the light of the Catholic faith here, and let's take action. And the big, big, big thing that is happening and has been happening in the last few years is that we Catholics who have been blessed to, to just live lives that have been pretty comfortable on our own in our own little communities are now being asked to stand up, step out, and push back, to speak out in ways that we've never been asked to before as a whole, as a whole, if we are going to survive and if the next generation is going to thrive. That is... That's part of the authority that's been given to us is for the sake of that kind of bold standing up, stepping out, and pushing back. And that's the blessing that I get to do this on the radio. All right, we're up against a break, Carrie. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So, Carrie, I mentioned that um, my boys were with me and we were having this conversation about leading, providing, and protecting, and it's their call and, and exercising authority. And they brought up um, a friend of theirs who is a, who's afraid of his father. Um, and they were really struck by that. They're like, I don't want to ask my dad that. I'm afraid of what he's going to say. I'm going to get in trouble. And their comment was, he's too strict. The dad is too strict. And, and I tried to bail the dad out, right? I'm like, well, you know, it, it could be exaggeration and all, but I think that if it could be in part that the, the father just wants to protect the son from, you know, uh, as a guardrail 
from falling off off the road and and he's and they brought up another uh, another dad who is strong in his fatherliness the word they went to was controlling so they said dad they're too controlling too domineering they used alpha like we know that you know the father's supposed to be alpha or whatever supposed to be the one in charge and in authority we had to honor and all that but it's too much and and what i found interesting is that they're they're saying it to me they're saying it to their father which i actually was touched by that because they're saying in part that they don't find me too dominating <laughs> Maybe they want you to be stronger. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're trying to give us a hint, Dad. You're not. Making, well, it's interesting. Not... And, and as you say this, um, I think sometimes I'm strong towards my kids about certain things because I want to protect them. And they don't know what I know. And so I come across not very much wanting to have a dialogue and let's talk about this and let's have a conversation about this and let's leave these, you know, this roadway open both ways so you can question and ask and we'll kind of uncover, discover. And it's, it's a newer, maybe in the last 15, 20 years type of parenting. I should read you some of the, one of the books I read was about this type of parenting and part of me found it so weak, but like this seems too friendly and it's not speaking on the authority of scripture, the authority of God, because it was a secular book. So I, I certainly don't want to parent my kids without scriptural authority. But I also found it um, nice. Like, oh, it would be so neat if our kids felt like they could come to us and want to, not they could, they would want to. I think that's a big difference. Do they want to go to their dad? Do they want to go to their mom? Or is there that fear or just hasn't been, that whole relationship hasn't been established in that way? I don't know. I, I You know, everyone has a different personality type and um, I'm sure they discern differently. But it is something that where we're like, okay, we're now five kids in. This is our fifth and sixth teenager. And we're still trying to figure out how to open up communication. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It really yeah. is hard. You do realize our seventh yeah. child is also a teenager. Oh, Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes, yes. Which is, it's just crazy that time goes by so fast. And I feel like such a novice in raising teenagers, even though we have five currently. Mm -hmm. And I do not, you know, if my report card is not marked by A's at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it's It's been, you know, a constant battle. And, and I feel that I Did you have, get a few, what are those called from the Oaks? <laughs> Let's well, attention grabbers. Did you get an attention uh, yeah, grabber? Yeah, some attention grabbers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And how many times oh, did the police call? Actually, did you see that little text, the little current crew chat with all the kiddos in it? They were how many uh, emergency room visits were there, and they were all like throwing out how many emergency room visits of this one or that one or the other one, which was kind of funny. Uh, but it yeah, cute. Side note. Um, so back to this. I. I think that it's super helpful if us as parents are always seeking, reminding ourselves of how to communicate to our kids, because sometimes we just fall on the way we were parented. We, we fall on the way we were parented, or we stay in the same rut. Yes, we just we go stay around in the, the track same... in the same path. Mm -hmm. And I know that you and I 
we did that as long as it as long as it worked right and when i say it worked it didn't blow up in our face like we weren't yeah. faced with such a challenge that all of a sudden it's like how did we end up there and when that finally did happen to us we we could have in theory just stayed there we could have just stayed on the same uh, in the same lanes and i think we would have faced much worse disasters had we done that but instead, I thank God for the mercy of breaking us, breaking us down enough to humble us enough, to make us cry out in desperation, hard enough, long enough, deep enough to say, Lord, you, you have to show us a, a, a new way. And that new way was a fundamental change or adding a whole new set of ways of, of parenting, you know, to our toolkit. Um, and that was not easy. And I, I, boy, I don't want that for a lot of parents. I, I hope they don't have to go through that. But I do think that parents, you know, if we're spending a, a good chunk of time on this feast of the, the seat, the chair of St. Peter, it's because your role is so crucial today. Grandparents, you've got kids who are now parents trying to raise kids. And if their kids are young, they, they, are walking into a, a stage of your kids' lives, their kid, your grandkids' lives, where they most parents just don't have a clue to the enormity of what powers are arrayed against their kids, peacefully growing in their Catholic faith, and the seriousness of the efforts, the the no half measures, all in that's required to raise your kids today. Yeah, for sure, Tom. So I bumped up against one of those limits when later I was talking to one of my sons and we migrated into a topic that was touchy, uh, sensitive. And it was one of these topics I wanted to raise with him. And we got right up to the line and, and then it got silent. And we were both like doing work together side by side. And I felt this sense of, okay, ask him. Okay, talk to him about it. Okay, push into it. And I felt all this resistance inside of me. It would have been, the you know, in reflection, I wish I was here telling the story of the great victory that I had because I broke through and talked to him about it. But I didn't. And uh, he, he didn't, like, leave a lot of breadcrumbs and open door to say, Dad, walk through. Next time, Dad. Next you don't time. have to do it all. In one conversation, sometimes you're just starting. Sowing the seeds. You're just, you're just starting it. Yeah, so you're right. Thank you. I think I'm, I can be intense that way where I want to push all the way through. And maybe he's not like that to be able to take all of that at once. But it, it, you know, it feels like some of the stuff that we're doing together is opening up uh, further conversations to be able to have those kind of things. But I'm like... If I'm wrestling with all of that, how much more are other dads not even wrestling with it or even thinking about it? <laughs> well, I mean, you're a, you are a really good communicator for sure. And you really do understand the human person for sure. So it is baffling to me how we even raise our kids and how we have these conversations. I think that's why it's so important to have that daily prayer, to, to seek out our Heavenly Father, and ask Him for guidance, wisdom, opportunities, grace, mercy, and and seek out um, excellent um, parenting resources 
There are and, some bad ones out there. So don't get the bad ones. Yeah. My advice, get the good ones. Well, and the family minister at the Oaks has been texting me and contacting me and like, hey, where's your list of resources for parents around these things? <laughs> we have, we and I'm like, have some really good ones that we've read, not maybe that we've, we've created too, but more of the ones, but there are some great books and great helps. I don't know how much accountability groups you have or how do you even, t- like to really get into the heart of some of these matters, where do you have these conversations? And if it's only with your spouse or your siblings, which is kind of what we talked about over the time we had away was raising kids today. Of course, that's what we always talk about, but just getting more into the, the heart of it. Um, how do you do that if you don't have support? So it, I think it just weighs on me. I feel, I feel the well, burden. And, and that's where I'm like, when you have a parish and priests as spiritual fathers, and other intentional Catholics in the community that have similar life situations as it's you. so helpful. When you're going to a school where you have like-minded families and you can actually form a culture rooted in faith, all of that, it's, it's, it makes all the difference. You're not trying to figure all this stuff out by yourself. God bless us. So it, uh, it made me realize that um, as parents with our authority, we're also called to be Pontifex Maximus, the greatest bridge builders. That's the Pope's title as well. The greatest bridge builder between Christ and the church is the Pope. Well, we're supposed to be the greatest bridge builder between Christ and our children. And we do that by prayer, by our example, by our engagement with them, by our crying out to the Lord, by our fasting, you know, so many ways that we've talked about through the years. And that's part of our office. That's part of our. That's part of the authority the Lord's given to us. Well, Carrie, we're up against the end of our program. Thanks for walking with me through this hour. Absolutely. And thank you all listeners for being with me today. Hey, say a prayer for Pope Francis on this beautiful feast of the chair of St. Peter. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.